Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and my guest joining me today is Simon Haig, a negotiation expert, leadership coach, author, speaker, radio host, adjunct lecturer, and consultant. Gosh, he's a busy guy. Simon says he has been there, done it, and driven through with deeper knowledge and a strong awareness of resilience, purpose, and high performance capabilities. He helps people to avoid roadblocks, to unlock their potential and create transformational change so that they can optimize their growth journey, whether in business or indeed in their personal lives. Hey, Simon, welcome to the show today. Bill, it's fantastic to be here and it's a privilege. Thanks so much. Thank you. What I didn't mention there in my intro, which I think I should do, is that, Simon, you've also been endorsed by the world number one leadership thinker, Marshall Goldsmith. That's pretty impressive stuff, eh? Wow. We've got yeah, no, I, I was fortunate enough to, uh, he's written the forward to a couple of my books and uh, came to my last book, book launch, and uh, he, he really is a guardian angel to me. You know, he's, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, he said to me, Simon, all you need to do to grow is match your confidence with your capability. And I've taken that and I kind of take that into a lot of the work that I do. I'm sure we can discuss, Bill. So, yeah, no, I'm privileged to know him. Well, let's uh, let's get to know you a bit better, Simon, before we get into the hard hitting questions for today. Why don't you start by taking a minute or so, introducing yourself to our listeners and, and telling them a little bit about the why you are referred to as the growth strategist. Yep. I mean, a minute is a short time, but just in, in a nutshell, I spent 30 years working across uh, the globe in various roles. And what I observed was that um, success in organizations and success for people within those organizations is and needs to be inextricably linked. So the work that I do is divided into two halves, in effect, Bill. A, I help organizations uh, do what they need to do to achieve their purpose, while at the same time helping leaders within those organizations or anybody in those organizations who who, who need who feel the need to, to grow, I help them with some of the toolkits to help them achieve their potential. So organizations' purpose and, and individuals' potential. And I do that through four pieces of jigsaw, personal or mindset growth capabilities, things like resilience and awareness, then leadership growth capabilities, things like assertiveness and influencing, then business capabilities, things like, you know, are you chasing the right opportunities? And finally, personal and organizational brand. So that is it in a one minute nutshell, Bill. <laughs> the days of matching web keyword searches with resumes and job descriptions is over. It's all about cultural fit. Workzinga empowers job seekers looking for jobs and employers looking for new hires to have thoughtful and insightful conversations making the recruiting process more successful for both sides. Learn more at workzinga.com. Not bad at all, Simon. Not bad at all. Okay, so you went through the what there and you started touching on the how, but let, let's delve into the how a little bit more. How can organizations ensure growth then? And how do you help your clients with their growth journeys? Okay. I mean, I think the first thing to, to start with, and I, I often talk about the three R's of winning business. And uh, so all, if you can imagine a three-legged stool, all businesses need to balance, need to have the, the same length in the legs of these three R's, and that is revenue, 
risk and reputation. I've seen organizations chase too far and too fast for revenue at the expense of managing risk, which is things like managing people and HR and reputation, which is your brand and your and your market reputation. Uh, and I've seen companies collapse. Conversely, I've seen companies spend too much or organizations too much time on managing and maintaining risk and planning and not really focusing on the blood of the organization, which is risk. And then finally, you know, if you're not managing your reputation, if you're not building your brand and brand value, you're not going to be attractive as an from an employer branding perspective and things like employee attrition uh, and all of those kind of things will suffer. So I help organizations balance the three legs of the three legged stool while also ensuring that the leaders within those organizations balance the personal leadership, business, and brand, and mindset capabilities around all those things. So that really is it in a nutshell, Bill. Okay, so a lot of the essence of what, be, what you do is to, to help leaders be, be more effective, to get more from their people, to grow organizations, and so on and so forth. What are, what are some of the key attributes of good and effective because they're not necessarily the same thing are they um could and effective leaders yeah no that's a that's a great question and i you know i i often ask i have been fortunate enough to to interview a number of, of great leaders i interviewed gary ridge the other day one of the world's leading ceos from wd40 and uh, for me i kind of use a an acronym of three c's and they are calmness compassion and courage and uh uh and one of the one of the real challenges for the, the difference really between i think okay and decent leaders and great leaders is great leaders seem to have this innate ability to balance if you can imagine a seesaw at one end is compassion and the other end is courage you need to be a decent human being you need to be aware you need to have vision you need to have passion you need to communicate in an inclusive way on the one hand but on the other hand you do need to have courage when you need to call it and 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 I think great leaders have that innate ability to to to, to slide along that seesaw and determine which which part of of that compassion and courage they need to use for any particular moment. And um, you know, Marshall Goldsmith talks about to be successful in tomorrow's world. And and Bill, I would say we're in tomorrow's world. I often say we went to bed in 2019 and woke up in 2030. We think we're in 2022, but we're in 2030. He says leaders will have to embrace global thinking cross-cultural diversity, understand rapidly changing technology, and this is the most important bit for me, rely more on collaborations and be facilitators rather than experts. So in a nutshell, great leaders uh, put aside their ego and, and operate through um, authenticity and vulnerability from the perspective of uh, balancing that calmness and, and compassion. That's not to mean that they are weak. That doesn't mean that they are unduly reading from a script. They just have that awareness of the boundary between the two. So hopefully that answers the question. It does. Thank you. I'm going to ask you a follow-up though. Um, and that's that's what 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 stops many leaders from from being great leaders, Simon. You know what what are those what are those barriers for preventing them from taking that 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 jump? and becoming inspirational managers that, that folks want to follow, that they want to stick with, because we are looking to find ways to, to retain our employees right now, of course. You know, what, 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 are those, what are those key barriers that, that, that stops that success? It's interesting because, again, you know, I've been interviewing some thought leaders like Gary Ridge and Alyssa Cohn and uh, Ruth Godian, and I've asked them the question. And what seems to come out most is ego. Gary Ridge would say ego is the biggest factor stopping somebody becoming a great leader. Um, the inability to get out of your own mindset. 
the 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 inability to realize that you you can't be a leader by yourself you need to have all leaders need to have coaches we all need to have somebody we can trust to to to, to rub the the jagged edges off our ego and and kind of polish that 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 authentic um leadership um mindset and behaviors and inclusive behaviors so i think ego would be one the other one is fear the fear of 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 opening up of asking for help marshall goldsmith in his latest book the earned life talks talks about one of the one of the biggest failings of of great of of leaders is an inability through fear of being judged or fear of what fear of success or fear of failure in in terms of asking for help so i think ego fear i also think you know the a lot of the corporate um, structures um, you know, there's a lot of machismo, there's a lot of hierarchy, there's a lot of silos. And I think, um, I think, you know, it's difficult for, you know, empathetic and ethical and decent leaders to, to, to break through and become truly transformative without being unduly judged by structures in organizations. So it's, 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 it's being resilient, having a go, it's losing the ego. Um, uh, well, it's, it's being encumbered by ego, encumbered by fear, and not realizing that sometimes you have to be transformative and and really lead by example i think those would be the key things okay so is that is that how leadership has changed then as a result of the pandemic because there is perhaps less ego these days people are trying to be more authentic then they're, they're not they're not as fearful as being uh, around being authentic as perhaps they were pre-pandemic are, are those the key changes uh compared to a couple of years ago in terms of what leadership is about today i think i think it's hard to generalize you know there are still there are still organizations where you know there isn't great leadership but i think i I do think i mean when you think about it this is the first time in 70 odd years in the western world we've been confronted by you know something really really significant and i think you know you can't help but be a decent empathetic human being regardless of whether you're a leader or not to realize that we need to be a little bit more sensitive and a little bit more open-minded and uh and so I do think that, um, that, that you know, leaders post-pandemic, uh, unless they're in, you know, head in the sand, have realized they need to be more transparent and more honorable because we're all more sensitive. We're all notice things more. Uh, they also need to realize that they, they they never have all the information they need and that life is a change event. So they need to deliver through obscurity. They also need to maintain a steady purpose and a mission and mission, you know, and that's really hard in volatile, uncertain complex ambiguous times and i think most importantly bill is that you know given that things are so uncertain i think great leaders um need to kind of almost create a bridge to the future and then allow others to to walk a lot walk over that bridge and i think i think you're right i think the pandemic um has shone a lot a light on a lot of things that we took for granted and so i i think great leaders can't help by being influenced by what's happening in the world i think you're right and I think perhaps before, I mean, it's just my opinion, Simon, I'm, I'm the I'm the interviewer, so maybe I shouldn't give my opinion. But um, I, I think one of the big changes over the last couple of years is is uh, around the expectations of, of employees. So it's yeah. not it's not just the case that leaders have had some sort of uh, relation. Now's the time to be more genuine because we've all gone through this awful time over the last couple of years. Now's the time to uh, to inspire my people in, in new ways, new authentic ways. It's not just about that at all, actually. From what I've, what I've heard from conversations that I have on this show, it's, it's a lot to do with the expectations of employees. Frankly, employees are not prepared to put up with what they put up with a few years ago, right? 
Exactly. It's funny because I've been involved in a couple of surveys over here in Ireland, and there are five key areas of leadership uh, expectations of employees uh, of, of their leaders that have come out. And I'll just quickly go through them. The first thing is that is growth and de development. Employees are looking for opportunities to grow and develop, and they're looking for clear development plans, right? So there's an expectation of that. In, in expectation of that. Secondly, trust on autonomy. Employees want to feel trusted and they want their leaders and organizations to trust them. Um, that, that's the second thing. The third thing is inclusion and recognition. Um, people want to feel more included and recognized. And that's not just DEI. That's, you know, how do you ensure that the, somebody working from home who's not 100% visible is included? And so they want their leaders to pay attention and notice. The fourth thing then is they're expecting a vision and clear expectations from the leaders. And five, and most importantly, they're expecting great leadership. They're expecting leaders to have passion and commitment, but also to be human as well. So you're spot on about asking expectations. You know, th this has come out of two surveys. And I think staff expectations, if anything, have got even more crystallized as a result of what's happening in the world. So I think that's a, a great question. A bit of a follow up to that one. Is, is it is it driven by gener generational differences as well? So right now in 2022, Simon, we are living through the peak of the retirement of the boomers. Yeah. Um, with all of, with all of their cultural norms, and we are seeing uh, a big entrance into the workforce of the Gen Zers or the Gen Zers. I'll yeah. go Gen Zers today because we're talking to a UK audience, um, and um, and the millennials are now moving into those management roles. And I'm a millennial. I feel like millennials have got different expectations to Gen Xers, and I, and I I'm not fully sure what these Gen Zers or Gen Zers are about, yes, but I have flexible work, um, having more autonomy, having leaders that are more like coaches than, than um, dictators. These things are important to, to millennials and, and to Gen Zers. Is it a millennial, sorry, is it a generational thing, Simon, or is it more of a cultural shift brought on by the pandemic and other, uh, other recent factors? I, I, there's a, it's a combination of both, but it's interesting, Bill. This is the first time in history, as far as we're aware, that in some organizations, and it's not common, but in some organizations, there are five generations. There are the baby boomers, the Generation Xs, the millennials, and the Gen Zs, or the Gen Zs. And then there's the pre-World World War II generation. There are still people in the late 70s, early 80s, often as coaches and consultants. And so that has to be a factor, you know, because, you know, there's lots of different mindsets. There's lots of different attitudes. That has to be a factor. But I also think, you know, that, um, you know, just logistically, um, the workplace is changing. The market is changing. You know, we're moving from nine to five to working anytime. We're moving from, you know, uh, relying on emails, which is very much, you know, my generation to all sorts of collaborative technologies. We're, we're moving from focusing on knowledge, which came from the baby boomers and strict structures to more um, adaptive learning. And so I think it's a combination of the fact that there are the different generations and that's causing challenges, um, but also the fact that, that life moves on, right? And so we have different technologies, we have different ways of working. So I don't think it's a definite answer, but I do think organizations need to just um, you know, for example, I'm doing work with a company over here, one of the world's biggest training companies of recruiters, and they've we put together a program for 2030. What do recruiters need to be looking for in future candidates to make sure they're as cohesive, aligned, and inclusive as possible, regardless of which generation they're from? So I think organizations need to accept that, that there, are, there are all these factors driving change, and they just need to be as mindful and create that bridge for the future. If I think that's the way to look at it.
Okay, so you and I, we got to know each other, Simon, um, and we met in person at the Royal Institution because of the Disrupt HR brand. Uh, in fact, you spoke at an event that I helped to co-organize, uh, Disrupt yes. HR London, which happened yes. in early July of 2022. Your session was awesome, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you again for, for joining you. us. So you spoke there. Perhaps you can now take a minute or two and tell our listeners about your session, the event, uh, the very unique format of the talks, of course, and and why you got involved. Yeah, no, it, it was a it was a great opportunity. I was con contacted uh, by your colleague Chris over there in in at PwC in Cayman Islands, and uh, I, he asked me to to give a talk. And uh, you know, I, I, I and the event was really much a speed kind of talking date, not a speed dating. So. Um, not something I've done before, but we was, it was presenting 20 slides in five minutes in front of a, you know, an August, August, August uh, you know, an August audience in a very august environment. And uh, from from my perspective, it was actually a real growth exercise. You know, I'm I'm called the growth strategist, but it really stretched me to think about how I can talk in a, in, you know, in a in a cohesive, coherent way in such a fast time. And for me, the subject was around, um, you know, we're in the future now. You know. Don't think that we, we 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 don't think that we don't need to be thinking about how we adapt leadership and structures and HR structures and how we treat people in organizations. And and in particular, I, I talked about leadership, you know, and moving from more traditional leadership where, you know, leadership need to ensure that teams do the right things, more to kind of modern day agile leadership. Leaders need to ensure that teams do the right do, do the right things instead of th instead of doing things right. Very much kind of echoing what Marshall said and that leaders need to move away from being administrators to innovators, from high control to lower control to focusing on systems rather than inspiring trust. You know, I think good leaders today need to be less, as you said, they're less dictators and more facilitators and create a context for trust and psychological safety, given all the different generations, given, you know, all these worthy, justifiable new demands from DEI, you know, quota systems and everything that's come out of, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. So there's a lot more variables that quite rightly should be part of strategy. And then finally, you know, leadership. Um, even though organizations live by plans, I think leadership need to move from more of a short term to more of a sustainable, longer range view. Right. Of course, things are going to change along a journey. But 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 organizations need to think, you know, what what is our impact from an environmental, social perspective? And so that really was the essence of it. And it was a fantastic event. I have to say my five minutes were a bit of a blur. I don't <laughs> you know, when you're talking in such a, you know, a great place, it flies by. But um no, it was fantastic, Bill. It was a great opportunity and a great event. Well, I certainly enjoyed your session. And um, by the way, listeners, depending on when this particular episode goes live, uh, you will be able to see the video most likely of, of Simon's session. Um, so all of the videos from the Disrupt HR event, they were all recorded and we had some fantastic videographers who are working on it as we record this particular interview right now. But then they'll be live on the Disrupt website. So you can check them all out there. And just finally for today, Simon, how can our listeners uh, learn more about and connect with you? Well, uh, that's, it's timely because just last week I, I launched my new website, Simon Haig, H-A-I-G-H dot com. Um, and so you can find me there and you can find all of my activities, uh, resources. You can download my all my training programs, my coaching program, media pack. Uh, alternatively, I'm, I'm I'm on all the social media channels, but 
Um, you'll see me posting probably two or three times a day on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, but I'm also on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. So the new website I'm plugging and also on LinkedIn, Bill. Thank you, Simon. I'm pretty sure as well we'll have a link somewhere in the show notes to your beautiful, shiny new website. Uh, that just leaves me to say for today, Simon Haig, thank you very much for being my guest. You're very welcome. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.